If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey, about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Dr. Erica. Welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This episode discusses financial health, finding ways to combine your passions, and having the vision to follow your gut even when it's unconventional. Now my guest is Dr. Randy Nelson. She has an MBA y'all. She's a pediatrician, former investment banking executive, and financial wellness expert. Isn't that a mouthful? Now no matter where you are in your career or your financial fitness, there is something in this episode for you. Also, money can have a huge impact on mental health. So you might be wondering what questions this episode will answer. Let's get to it. Number one, how can you protect your space? Number two, how does self-talk relate to the ability to beat challenges and reach goals? Number three, what are some strategies to blend multiple passions so you don't have to choose? And number four, who can provide support to make your visions and goals a reality, no matter how big they are? Now let's take a quick moment for a few statistics of why financial health matters. First, 46% of people with debt also have a mental health diagnosis. Number two, 86% of people with mental health issues and debt say that their debt makes their mental health issues worse. The next one is those with debt are three times more likely to contemplate suicide due to that debt. So having this financial health really impacts your mental health. So you know, This is all to just say that financial stress can impact your mental health. Got it? I feel like you should. I've said it so many times. Now this episode is going to have some shareable moments. Let me tell you how we do it in Better Nation. All you have to do is post on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. It's that easy. Now that you know what we're going to talk about, you're ready to hear the show. So on to the episode. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. You know me. I am your host, Dr. Erica. I'm here to help you be better, do better, and live better. I am so passionate and excited to have this guest, and I know I'm excited every week, (laughs) but this is really someone special. I have to admit, I do know some really good people, and I've told you that this is my COVID hack for quality time with people as I bring them on my podcast, and then... I get all of this uninterrupted quality time because I don't know if I've told all of you all, my primary love language is quality time. So when I actually record these podcasts, I'm filling my love bucket. So my guest today is Dr. Randy Nelson. So I have to first say, Dr. Randy, thanks for filling my love bucket today. (laughs) 
That's a pleasure. <laughs> I appreciate it. And you all, you are in for a special treat because today we are talking about money, 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 money. Yes, yes, yes. Money. <laughs> and as you can see, this is why um, I am not a singer and I had to find another career because <laughs> I have a voice even my mother doesn't love. So, you know, I told you that season three, we're doing something different. Reading bios is not my ministry, so I'm not even going to try. So before I let Dr. Randy tell you about herself like nobody but Dr. Randy can, I'm going to tell you just a couple of fun facts. Number one is she's brilliant. Number two is she's actually super cool. Number three, she is so New York. <laughs> so New York. And I love it. But on top of that, she's a pediatrician, former investment banking executive and financial wellness expert. So she's going to tell you more about yourself. But I just wanted to let you know, when I brought somebody to talk about money today, it's someone that actually really knows about money. She has the credentials to back up everything that she's saying. So before I end up feeling like I'm the number one hype person, you know, before I become the spliff star to Dr. Randy, I feel like I just, I totally, totally dated myself. <laughs> but Dr. Randy, can you tell the people about yourself? Hi, everyone. First, thank you, Dr. Erica, for having me on your wonderful podcast. I'm so excited. But anyway, I am Dr. Randy B, MD, a board-certified pediatrician, financial wellness expert, where I provide your Rx to wealth and financial well-being through my coaching programs, speaking engagements, and my best-selling books, Lady Nomics, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And I forgot, I'm a former investment banking um, vice president. Of 14 See? years. <laughs> I mean, that is so, so, so cool. Like, like really? Really though? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's something always important to to um, bring out. And the other thing is, you know, she has an MBA and all that kind of stuff right. too, is that she's not just coming to you talking about money from personal experience. But she actually has the experience in the financial sector and the education to back it up. So this isn't just couch, <laughs> kind of couch side advice, even though I'm not, I'm not knocking the people that have like, my mother doesn't have an MBA, but she's brilliant with money. But I do want to say that doc, Dr. Randy's actually a legitimate expert. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, I think that's cool. <laughs> so- as I was telling my guest last week, you know, I recently watched Brown Sugar. Oh, the movie? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, this hits so different in your 40s than it did mm -hmm. when it came out. I'm like, I understand so much more of the subtext <laughs> of this movie yeah. than I did. And I love how Sanaa Lathan's characters, you know, starts with, you know, how did you fall in love with hip hop? Mm -hmm. But since this is not a hip hop podcast... <laughs> and all of my guests are not necessarily hip hop heads. Right. Um, even though I do have quite a few. I'm going to ask you another question. Uh huh. How did you fall in love with medicine? Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. So I, you know, let me just back it up a bit. So I, you know, wasn't, I was an investment banker, not banker, accountant for 14 years. And, um, and I loved it. You know, when I was 17 growing up, you know, I'm the first generation, um, American, my parents are Jamaican and, um, growing up and first graduate 
in my immediate family, college graduate. You know, I wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't think I could do it. So I decided to um, major in accounting when I went to college. I went to the uh, State University of New York in Buffalo. So I decided to uh, major in accounting, loved it, uh, graduated. Like my day after I graduated, I started hitting the streets in New York City, interviewing for jobs in investment banking. So um, that's what I did. I landed a job with one of the top investment banks in the world, Morgan Stanley. I was with them for eight years. Then I moved to Citigroup, which you know, overtook them as the mm-hmm. number one financial organization in the world. <laughs> and I did that for six years. Um, but I, you know, I would say in 1999, 19, I'm, I'm, now I'm really aging myself, but 1999, 2000, I decided that, um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about my career. I'm thinking about my future. Where do I want to go? So the most logical step was to maybe get like a doctorate in business Um, because I already got my MBA. I already have these years in investment banking. That seemed logical. But then some things happened in the year 2000. I lost my father in the year 2001. I witnessed September 11th, the destruction of September 11th, the buildings, the, you know, everything. My, the Citigroup building was just five blocks away from. Oh, wow. Yeah just five blocks away from the center. So I saw everything. I witnessed everything. So, you know, you, you go through those things and, you know, you really, I did anyway, I did a complete evaluation in terms of what I really wanted to do. I just didn't want to do what was expected, the status quo. So I decided to go back and just, you know, I decided I wanted to go into medicine and um, that was the year 2002, a year after um, the attacks And I applied for, you know, I did my prereqs that was required, still working as a vice president. (laughs) I was really hustling and scrambling, but I did it, got accepted to um, School of Medicine at Stony Brook. And um, I graduated, did my residency in the Bronx, and I've loved it ever since. I do not regret a moment. (laughs) I don't regret it at all. During that story, when you got to like, I'm a vice president and still going to med school, all I could think was that song, Every Day I'm Hustling. Every day I'm hustling. I was hustling. I mean, I was. I mean, I have my responsibilities in the daytime, you know, eight to five or whatever my hours were at the time, eight to four. And then I'm truly hustling, getting to um, my pre-med studies. And knocking those out, I was doing that six days, yeah, five days a week, you know, the weekends as well. So yeah, I did it, but I haven't regretted. When you were doing this transition, because it sounds like one heck of a transition, Mm -hmm. how did people react to you saying, hey, or let me just change the question. How did you react? Because I see this vision of people seeing you from the outside thinking you have this great job in investment Mm -hmm. banking. You are climbing the corporate ladder. You're a vice president. Why the heck are you deciding to get a whole new career? Did you have any naysayers or people that were looking at you sideways? Like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? Well, when I finally told people, initially I didn't tell anyone. Uh, I had one good friend who, you know, I spoke to. She's the one who 
got my applications for me at the school where okay. I was doing my prereqs. Her, my mother, and my brother, and that was really it. Because I, you know, I understood, you know, after being in business for so long, after having a career for at that point ten years, you know, I know that everyone may not. You know, you have to protect your space. Yeah. You have to, and when you're making a huge change like that, people are going to think that you're crazy. So initially I didn't say anything, but when mm-hmm. I did, once I was fully steeped into my pre-med studies and I started telling folks, of course, oh, you're crazy. You're going to regret going into medicine. Uh, why would you do that? You know, why would, you know, why would you do that? That's crazy. You know, it is, I mean, it does sound crazy yeah. on paper, but you know, you have to, I had to just listen to my inner voice and do what was right for me. And, 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 you know, and I'm pretty strong willed. I'm straight, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm obedient to myself when it comes to those, uh, those tinglings and that intuition and, you know, those things. So I just did what I had to do and kind of blocked out. I have tunnel vision. So I'm I'm loving the fact that you talked about protecting your space. And this is a time right now where so many people are looking to make these major changes either through the existential thoughts and realizations about purpose or what's going to make them happy, which a lot of people have started to have in this age of the pandemic and racial injustice and mm-hmm. all of these other things that make it kind of a flashpoint in human history or, or just the overall stress of life. And then we're seeing even in medicine, they're calling it the great resignation mm-hmm. where people are like, we're done. Yes. What, what advice from your personal experience would you give to people about protecting their space and continuing to move forward when you're functionally in some ways starting over professionally? Mm. I can only talk from experience. Um, again, I, my personality is that I really don't, you know, I don't follow the pact. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't list, you know, I'll give you another example. When I was um, applying, when I was in undergraduate Mm -hmm. school at SUNY Buffalo and, you know, wanted to be an accountant there, they had a very highly rated accountant program. Everyone I spoke to at the time said, oh, you're, you're not going to get into that. I applied and I didn't get in. I, I know so many people who have tried to apply to mm-hmm. the accounting program. So don't have your heart set on it. I just, you know, I'm polite and I listen, but I'm like, no, I'm going to get into this program. Not only did I get into the program, I got in under early admission. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. You really, you, you really have to believe in yourself. You really have to believe in yourself. You have to, you know, if this is, if you have a really strong calling or urge to do something legal, let me put that in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always got to put that in because that could go different ways. But if you have an urge to do something and something, you know, and you just have this pull in a certain direction, you really have to have strong faith in yourself. You have to have strong faith in yourself. Everyone may not be there for you. You may not have that support, but it's, but if you believe that you can do it and if you have that faith and if, if, you know, and advice that you hear people are, you know, providing, you know, see where that motive is coming from, you know, just because you, you know, one person was unable to do something that does not mean that 
that will be your experience. And I that's love how I feel that. that. I love that. And I know often the people out there that are listening often talk about the better seven, these seven essential areas that are important to be able to be better, do better and live better. And one of them is self-talk. And one of the things I hear so strongly about your story and your experience was no matter what everyone was telling you, you could continue to tell yourself that this was what you were supposed to do. And, and yes, you can do it. And I want to remind people that that voice you have to yourself is a very powerful voice. Very. And, you know, as the superpowers and all the superheroes say, you have to use it for good. Mm-hmm. So I love the thought of becoming intentional with, with your self-talk so that your self-talk becomes a source of strength instead of yes. a source of something else that's tearing you down. Right. That's, that's key. That's key. I I love your story. Can I I feel like I need to hang out with Dr. Brandy more often. <laughs> we can. Absolutely. <laughs> like like I need to be down. I I need to be down. Absolutely. You know. But I'm loving having you on at this particular time because I feel like there are these times where there are huge amount of people having these existential moments. Mm-hmm. Um And naturally, nothing is going to be like September 11th. September 11th is September 11th. Right. Um, But as we go through these major milestones and challenges and things that push us as human beings, is that it's natural to then start having these thoughts around purpose and whether or not your life is set up in a way that makes you happy. And then after you start having these thoughts, naturally, the next step is you identify it. And the question becomes, what do you do if... What you're doing now isn't it. Right. And I love this conversation around positive self-talk, but also looking to see where you can get support from. And sometimes it's an issue of you have great people around you. Sometimes it's a situation for, for the season you're in. You have to kind of tailor down your support a little smaller. Right. You know, to people to that can support you in the space you're in, or you may pull some other people in like coaches and even therapists or other, other people into that support network, Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to support you in that specific season. And I love the fact that you were able to be brave enough despite already having a successful career to not be afraid to pursue your other passions. Now, one of the things that's unique about you is it seems like you found a way to start, kind of morphing and combining these things together. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to start reaching back and building this brand around Ladynomics? Can you tell people what Ladynomics is and kind of how did you transition into that? (laughs) Ladynomics is my financial wellness, my financial literacy brand, my programs. I, you know, I do all my things through coaching, my books, uh, speaking engagements, which I absolutely love to do. So what, how this came about is that, yeah. Okay. So I did my investment banking career for 14 years, loved it. I really did, you know, enjoy it, but I knew that it wasn't the future. So I had to put that behind me, um, went into medicine, enjoyed med school, 
somewhat enjoyed residency. <laughs> and um, now as an attendant, I've been an attending for 10 years now. And I really, I'm a pediatrician. I love being a pediatrician. I really mm-hmm. enjoy, it's fun to me. My kids, even if, you know, if I start my day, um, I'm not in a great mood or I'm feeling a little down. When you have like, a 10 month old or a four year old who's just cute and just inquisitive and, you know, partaking in the exam. It just, it just lights you up. It really, it really. I I miss the kids. (laughs) I finally get to work with kids again next month. I haven't, I have not worked with kids in a while and I I miss them. If I, I just want to play one game of Candyland and color. Right. I just want to color and play Candyland and, you know, get my butt beat and shoots and ladders. Cause it doesn't matter how old I am. I always lose shoots and ladders. <laughs> right. You know, and they're fun. And plus, you know, I'm doing, you know, something that's important, especially like right now I'm a pediatrician in the South Bronx. So I, my popular and my population is the homeless and the, so, you know, really socially disadvantaged um, population of children and their families. So I really feel that every single day I talk to my patients, you know, I participate in their health, in their care. I really feel like I am making a difference. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not ego or anything, but I really feel like, you know, the days, you know, it's a long day. Every, you know, every hour, every minute counts. And I feel like it really, really counts. And you know, and I remember when I was working the day that I decided I was going to do something different. I was working when I was working in investment banking. It was a holiday. I think it was, it was July 4th holiday. And those days we had to go in to work. And I'm like, why am I working? I could be with my family. I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not saving lives. And that's that was really the key for me. So, um, so I really love what I do. Um, but a couple of years ago, I decided to kind of merge my two backgrounds together. I call it, I married my two mm-hmm. backgrounds, my, my financial background and my wellness health background. Mm-hmm. Um, because I saw that there was a need for financial literacy, financial understanding. You know, we're, I have friends, we all graduated. We're all doing well financially. I know there's a lot of talk in medicine about money and salary and all that, especially being a pediatrician. Um, but I mean, we're, we're, we're top earners. And I just found that a lot of my friends really had no clue about money mm-hmm. on the flip side. As a pediatrician, I've met mothers, you know, mostly mothers, sometimes fathers, but families who were doing well, you know, they were doing well, you know, someone was working, you know, they weren't rich, but they, they were getting, they were getting on. They were mm. doing, they were doing what they have to, they had to do to keep their family afloat. And then they'll have one thing happen, whether it's a domestic violence, um, violent, in, violence incident, or someone died or loss of a job. And just like that, they're living in the shelter. Sometimes you have people who are working and still living in the shelter system because they're unable to um, maintain like, you know, a living wage, yeah. especially in New York city, which is expensive. So I, you know, decided through the help of our wonderful coach and coaching program, uh, Dr. Dre. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach financial basics. I'm really going to start teaching financial literacy because I want 
women and young adults, because I do a lot of speaking engagements, engagements uh, to, 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 to young adults. And I really want them to understand that, you know, money isn't everything, but it can alleviate a lot of problems and it can alleviate and it can, and it can contribute to your overall, overall well-being in terms of less stress, uh, less physical ailments, um, you know, being able to leave a legacy for your loved ones, especially like in our community, you know, um, you know, the black community, we, we lag behind in that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasoning for that. Some of it is, you know, historical institutionalized racism, but still, I still want us to be able to move forward because in this country, economics is a big deal. Um, being able to leave a legacy for your children. You know, I'm in a lot of financial, like physician financial groups, and I see things like, oh, well, you know, um, I don't have any school debt because my parents paid for it. Or, um, you know, I had a, you know, a little obstacle, but, you know, grandma was able to pay for my, my, my mortgage. And, and, you know, I mean, that can make a big difference. That can, that that can make a huge difference. Oh, I'm leaving, you know, a million dollars for my children's because I don't want them to struggle. I don't want to have them pay for schooling or for their home Mm -hmm. or whatever. So I really want, um, it's really my desire because I want people to be generally healthy. And, and even when I look back on my life, I think about my, you know, growing up, you know, my family said, you know, I said I was a first generation um, American. My family's West Indian. They came to this country, did well initially. And, um, you know, we bought, my parents weren't college graduates, but they were hardworking. Mm-hmm. Father worked in a hospital. My mother worked in the garment district, but they were, they were hardworking um people bought a home on Long Island, but then my father became ill. And that just turned our whole world upside down. He became ill. My parents separated and we really had to pick ourselves up. And and thank God my mother was so diligent with her finances. I mean, I call her the financial czar. <laughs> well, I, she- I feel you. My mom, my mom is like that too. She she reminds me of if Rain Man wasn't on the spectrum, that's how she is with money. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I mean, but you know what? That's what got us out of our predicament. You know, I'm doing well. My brother's doing well. She's doing well. She retired early, so because you know, and I so I learned everything firsthand from her. So so by combining my personal, you were talking earlier about like couch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know it's part personal because yeah I lived through it, but I succeeded and and prospered um, by you know um, taking into account and you know applying all the lessons I learned as a young young person, and you know by watching my mother and my financial background. So I um, so that's how I. That was a roundabout way of talking about how ladynomics came about, but that's really the background. Hey, I, that's the beauty of podcasts. 
we we have time for around the way. I feel like I just keep having all these random New York rap references because you were talking about the Bronx earlier. All I could think of was South Bronx, uh, South, South South Bronx. Bronx. Yeah. <laughs> if you all out yes. there don't know, my, my mind works like Ally McBeal. It puts soundtracks yes, yes. to everything. But the thing that makes it so hilarious is how it sounds in my head. Um, I'm very much well known that. My superpower is not knowing sound lyrics. <laughs> and I am not a good singer and I'm definitely not a good rapper. But, you know, in my head, yes. I, I, I'm pretty smooth. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back with my fabulous guest, Dr. Randy. Better with Dr. Erica. Time for Ask Dr. Erica. One question that I get all the time, whether I'm doing a speaking engagement or talking to patients. And it literally doesn't matter where I'm speaking, if it can be the Bank of America or, or NAMI or anyone, I get the same question. Here it is. I have problems focusing. Do I have ADHD? You may wanna lean in for this one. Inattention, poor focus, or poor concentration are symptoms, not a diagnosis. Let me repeat that, poor concentration it's a symptom, not a diagnosis. Poor concentration can come from insomnia, depression, anxiety, ADHD, malnutrition, lead exposure, psychosis, mania. You get it. It can be from so many things. That's why it is essential to be assessed by a trained professional so you actually get the right treatment. Because if someone treats you for ADHD and you're depressed, it isn't going to help. So I just need you to also know that Google doesn't count as a trained professional. Got it? Now back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. But I want to pull out a, a few things that you talked about. One is this capacity for all of us to learn. And that's what I love about what you do is that it doesn't matter if you were phenomenal with money or if you didn't know Jack, there's always a time mm -hmm. to learn. And if you didn't know Jack, which was I feel like that's one of the advantages some of the younger people in medicine have is I feel like they they're a lot more money-minded than my generation was mm -hmm. we didn't know jack we just got out there finally got a check and spent it yeah that's what <laughs> I mean that, that, I that's just the, the reality of it and I think that sometimes people don't realize that the average physician is a business owner mm -hmm. but we were taught nothing about business mm -mm. A lot of us had so many courses to take in our major. We didn't take business classes in college. I know the only one I had, they gave us too much work. I had to drop it. I was a biochem major. So mm -hmm. I had to drop my one business class because I was like, I can't keep up with it. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, you know, I know people are talking about now starting to look to have some of this stuff in, in these professional school mm -hmm. curriculums because we're not the only profession that deals with this. But this idea that, no matter how much money you make, there's a capacity to still be living check to check. Oh, absolutely. We all know people that make a million dollars that are living check to check. Yep. The same as the person that makes $15 an hour. Right. It's just how it looks in between. Right. But, you know, almost any, a lot of people, no matter what their career can be, can be a couple paychecks away from homelessness. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. we saw in COVID, which yes. were people that <laughs> seem to have decent businesses and de decent decent careers all of a sudden the bottom falls out of whatever you're doing and you're trying to figure out who can I ask for money 
and I think one of the reasons what you said is so important is one of the differences a lot of us have seen when it comes to a lot of African-Americans we know, it's not unusual for someone to be the first or the first of a few in college or in whatever career they're in, is not having that background that some other cultures have, especially because mm -hmm. there wasn't so much structural racism with them. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why a lot of our community didn't have a house to give us upon graduation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or, or yes. a whole bunch of money. There's a reason it happened. And without having all of those backups, when stuff happens, it's just you. So learning how to make it so that you have more flexibility if things happen and also be able to leave that legacy or leave something for your kids so that if, they struggle. It's not kind of like, oh, now you're homeless or now everybody's living in the same house because nobody has nobody has any monies. And I recently did a talk I was that was sponsored by NAMI Delaware and Bank of America. And the Bank of America portion came in to talk some about financial health. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you're here and you have worked with financial wellness because I know a lot of the people I see as a psychiatrist and even when I speak, Mm -hmm. is there are a handful of things that stress people the heck out. Yep. Time, especially when people are working all the time, mm -hmm. work itself, family and money. Mm -hmm. And there is so much stress that tends to be tied to money. So by then learning how to be healthy with it and start changing your relationship with it, yes, it can make a huge difference in other areas of your health that may not automatically be easy to connect. Right. Right. Exactly. So I, I love what you do. And one of the things that I thought of when we started talking about having this conversation is what are some things or suggestions you have for people that are dealing with guilt and shame around money because it mm. seems like that's an area where it's very easy to have a lot of guilt and shame. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and again, I every you know, as as a coach, as an expert, I have lived all of this. <laughs> okay, because yes, uh you know, I grew up with our, you know, family situation, went to college, got my degree, started working for investment banking, did well, did extremely well. I, you know, I was able to buy my own home at a young age. I still live in it actually. Um, you know, was able to maintain at home during med school when I wasn't working, but you know, some loan, you know, mm -hmm. on loans a little bit. Um, and then coming out, graduating and having all these loans and having this, upheaval in my financial life uh because of med school so yeah i love being a doctor i don't love what it did to my finances <laughs> yeah doctor I mean, is expensive <laughs> yes no it i mean is. It, it is it expensive is, very expensive you know and, and and unless you go through it you really don't understand or know so so i kind of had to restart and do a, a do-over um when i graduated but luckily I had all those lessons and I had all those, all that knowledge that, you know, that knowledge base that I could tap into to quickly get myself back on track. 
which I feel that I'm, you know, I am on track um, and I should be, and I will be able to uh, obtain all the financial goals that I've set for myself. Truly believe that. And it's already happening. Um, so again, the first step, if the first step is you got to believe that you can get out of your situation. You have to believe that you got to make a decision like, okay, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Um, this seems like, you know, there's no way you have to believe that there is a way like you got to believe that's the one thing about living in this country, living here is that there's so many opportunities, so many, you know, we, you just talked about, you know, physicians during this COVID. I mean, there were doctors who were getting paycheck cuts of like 75% of their income, 75. I don't care what salary you have. (laughs) If your lifestyle was dependent Mm. on a certain percentage at, I don't care if it was dependent on 80% or 60% of your full paycheck. If your salary is cut by 75%, that is not good. And if you didn't have a, a reserve or some way to, add or, you know, increase your income during that time, you could have been in a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, the first thing is to believe that you can get out of it, you know, take a deep breath. (sighs) What can I do? Because there's so many, this is what I teach. There's so many ways when my family was going through our struggles, first thing my mother did was, okay, I need to bring an extra income. What can I do? She went to beautician school. She took out a small loan, student loan, a couple of thousand Mm -hmm. dollars, which was significant to her at that time. Um, But she did it. And she went to beauty, you know, to beautician school and she learned how to do hair. When she graduated, she was able to do hair on the side and that brought in um, extra money. Now we talk about side hustles and side gigs. That's a big thing in medicine, right? Um, but I learned that years ago when my brother and I, we were having, you know, we're teenagers when my family went through a lot of financial struggles and there were things that we want. It's the eighties, you know, we want stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> we want those jeans. We want those sneakers. You want your Jabodes. <laughs> we wanted those things, right? Your cross and, colors. Yeah. <laughs> Your polka dots. Yeah, exactly. We wanted those things. So we knew my mother couldn't, we weren't going to go to my mother and ask her when she's just trying to keep a roof over her head and, and food in the refrigerator. So we went out and we got jobs. We, I've been working since I was 13 years old. My brother's been working since he was about 15. Like same thing, right? Newspaper mm-hmm. delivery girl. But we we understood that if there is, if, if you don't have enough income, find ways to bring in more or find ways to cut your expenses. So one, you know, believe, you know, believe in yourself, take a really good look at your picture. Don't pretend that there's no problem or don't try to avoid it. Cause that doesn't help. You know, if you get a collection, you know, call, if you're getting, if you're receiving letters in the mail from a, a collector because of a past due bill, don't just throw it, throw it away and just feel like it's just going to disappear. Cause it's not, it's going to get worse. Pick up the phone and call those creditors and say, hey, I'm in a bind right now. Um, What can you do for me? A creditor rather work with you than to have to write off a Mm. a, a overdue balance. When I was in med school and I had a house I had to maintain, 
pay mortgage on. I said, you know, what can I do to help with some of my expenses? Child, I would sit right there in that welfare office with my medical school books. They had subsidies, like health subsidies for your electric mm-hmm. bill and all that. I applied right there. I had no shame. I had no guilt. I, I said, I got to do what I got to do. Look at the end goal in terms of what it is that you have to do. And you do what you have. Like I said, as long as it's legal, do what you have to do. And I would sit in that office and I would fill out application. I didn't lie. I said, look, I'm a medical student. I'm living off loans. I could really use some assistance paying my electricity bill. And boom, I don't think I paid electricity for almost three years while I was a med student. So, you know, one is to realize you have a problem. One is to believe that you can You don't want to miss a moment with my wonderful guest, Dr. Randy. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle. Show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com. That's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. Um, We're going to change speed pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um, because unfortunately, as much as I want to keep you here forever, (laughs) I I can't, you know, I'd let... I'd love to just put you in my pocket. <laughs> I know we could talk. I can talk about this for days and, and take you everywhere. We may just have to have you come back. That sounds good. I, I love it. Are you ready for the speed round? Yes. All yes. right. First question. Mm-hmm. What are your three favorite songs? Songs? Oh my uh-huh. God. Um, do you know where you're going to from Mahogany, Diana Ross? Oh, wow. Um, I'll be there from the Jackson Five. Oh, um, oh my God, who's the third one? Oh, what's so good? <laughs> a Bruno Mars song because I love Bruno Mars. Uh, I just said, oh, um, keep the new the one. Door open. Yes, yes, I love that song. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know why this is going to be the episode with all of my poor vocal stylings. I have a voice even my mother doesn't love. <laughs> but I, I have been singing my heart out today. Yes. So the next three. one, the next one is what is one free thing that you do for self-care? <sighs> relax. I love to lay down and relax. I love that. Sleep. <laughs> I love sleep. I, I, wish, I wish people could see Dr. <laughs> Randy has the most gorgeous headboard for her bed. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of the bed that um, Common had in Just Right. I always remember... <laughs> That whole movie, I'm like, oh my God, I love that bed. 
As soon as you told me, I was like, okay, let me go get comfortable. And where am I? In my bed, right? (laughs) (laughs) See that? It's called making it work. Making it work. (laughs) So the next question is, what is something about you that most people don't know? I've been on a billboard in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, tell. Do tell. <laughs> so when I, uh, I, my medical director and I, we pretty much established the pediatric department at my current employer. And to drum up business, they put me on a billboard throughout Brooklyn. Ooh. So I was on a billboard in Brooklyn in the subway stations. Friends would see me. They're like, oh, my God. That's Randy. They don't know me as Dr. Randy. They're like, oh, that's Randy. So, uh, yes, not too many people. Oh, I love it. I feel like um, I hope you have pictures because at some point I need to see pictures of this billboard. (laughs) And what's something that has helped you get through the pandemic? Oh, my goodness. Working, I guess. I don't know. I Working and... um, Yeah, I know that sounds crazy, but I didn't really have to, I had to work throughout the pandemic. I had to go in and um, I think that prevented me from just sitting home and wallowing in all the craziness that was the um, pandemic. I'm not mad. And <laughs> I know that thing, sounds crazy, but yeah. and Well, the thing is, is it's like I tell my patients, there are no right or wrong answers. Mm-hmm. It's just your truth. Yep. You know, and I've had other guests come on and talk about, like when Winter Wheeler came on, she actually talked about the guilt she felt because she actually did extremely well professionally and built an mm. entirely new business mm. during the pandemic and the guilt around feeling like she was actually doing well while other people were struggling. Yes. But, yes. but you know, I think every person has a unique human experience. So if that routine and structure and helping people at work, what helped you, that's your truth. Right. Yep. That's what worked. Yes. Now me on the other hand, <laughs> working from home was much more fun than <laughs> than having to go in. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I, I mean, I have to say the biggest, the biggest thing my last contract did was fit me for an N95 again. So now I feel like I'm one of the cool kids because I have, I have for real N95s again. No KF ninety four. Yes, yes. Not a KN ninety (laughs) five. I have a fitted N ninety five again. Yes, yes. Even though during the pandemic, no one cared if it was fitted or not. You just had to grab whatever you could find. Well, I I feel better now that I'm in the hospital. You'd be like, I don't know what's up with these people and all this breathing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, And and now that the regulations have changed, I'm actually more concerned about getting the heebie-jeebies from a coworker than a patient. But, you know, it's like in these high and high intensity environments, I definitely feel better being in a hospital in an N95 versus a K95 or KF94. We're still mandated to wear masks. So I'm pretty happy about that. And we had to reinstate the uh, mask mandate for administration as well because of the increase you know this variance so so yeah yeah, I'm the person when I go out it's like me and my mask and nobody else in my hotel just me (laughs) well good thing I'm in 
I'm in New York, so people are still pretty um, compliant. The vast I'm everywhere folks. that is non-compliant. <laughs> people made it sound like New England has all these vaccines. Yeah, they might be vaccinated, but they ain't wearing masks. They're masks. <laughs> I, I could go a week in my hotel and be like, I've seen three people, including mm. myself, wear a mask all week. And one now, was- on, on Long Island, it's a little different, but in, in New York City, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel feel like in New York City, everyone was so traumatized that they're like, I don't want to go back to that. No, that's that's a whole nother situation because I did watch that um, that Spike Lee docuseries. I can't remember. I mentioned it a while ago and now I can't remember the name, but it went it went historically from. It went from the pandemic in New York. It was like mm-hmm. something New York Center epicenters, mm-hmm. and it went from the pandemic in New York all the way back to 9-11. Oh, I got to look that up. I don't think I've watched it's, that. It's on HBO Max. Um, just make sure that I'd say especially for people that have lived in New York through either the pandemic and especially September 11th, mm-hmm. Spike Lee gets interviews from everybody in a mama. So it's just... Make sure your cup's a little full because it can be a little triggering because okay. it's so it's so intense. Intense, like in the footage he has and the people he's interviewing and everyone, you know, because of Spike, they give him their footage. It's views of things that you may not have seen. And I think it was really educational for all of us that weren't in New York, especially during September 11th. I feel like we heard more of what was going on in New York actually in the earlier part of the pandemic, even though it was still. Right. Different, different seeing it than just hearing about it. Right. But a lot of the stuff he showed for September 11th, if you weren't in New York, you didn't know about it. You know, like mm. they were even talking about how they were having to ferry people off the island and all kinds of things that mm-hmm. if you weren't there, you wouldn't know any of the stuff happening. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. I have to watch that. I'm going to watch that. That I, anything Spike does usually is really, really good. And it's and thorough. Really, really good. Yeah, thorough. Um, it's just I always let, have to let people know trigger warning. Yes, no, I hear <laughs> even you. my best friend watched it, and we didn't even Nubs lived there. I was like, I'm so sorry because she was kind of burned out at the time, and I had I was watching this, and she's sitting there crying because it's just really. Oh, tr- oh gosh, okay, it, it, it gets you in your soul, like all the way in your soul. But wow, um, okay, I'm gonna I, watch. I that. totally digressed, like entirely. No, that's okay. That's well, not really, because look, I'm a nine one nine eleven survivor because i yep. was there and i i survived the pandemic so it'll really it's really applicable to me yeah i'll have to hear what you think after you watch it yeah i'm gonna watch it definitely so we're wrapping up so what mm-hmm. are your final takeaways for the peoples oh for the peoples oh, okay so i think you know live your truth Really live your truth. Do what you want. Okay. Um, if it's good, I mean, if, if you have something burning in your soul, go for it. Go for it. Uh, life has a way of making a way from you, even making a way for you, even though you may not see it. You know, some of us call it faith, you know, depending on your background. But uh, yeah, just follow your truth. Do what you need to do. And this is in finances. If you're in a position right now that you're not happy with, if this, if you, you know, would like to be somewhere else financially, picture it. That's what visualization is so important. Vision boards, 
put it on a vision board. Say how much you want in your bank account. Say what you want to do. If you see yourself being debt-free, do it. If you see things, you know, mine was, I did vision boards for my home to make renovations. And you would believe everything that I put on my vision board has been done in the past year and a half. I didn't know how it was going to be done, but I did it. Apparently I need to come visit. (laughs) I did. It's unbelievable. It's real. And I didn't know how it was going to be done and everything is done. So it happened. Like I really am of that thought, you know, um, positive beliefs and, and visualization. That's huge. So visualize where you want in your life, visualize where you want to be financially and just take the steps to get there. I fart feels so warm. <laughs> and then I realized that I have a few more things to put on my vision board than what was on there. I, I, need, I need to do better with my life. So if people yes. want some more Dr. Randy, and this was just not quite enough, how mm-hmm. can they find the Dr. Randy? Oh, you can follow me on all social media at Dr. Randy BMD. That's D-R-R-A-N-D-I-B-M-D. I'm always on social media. (laughs) I do a lot of lives on different topics. Um, Also, you can catch me uh, if you're interested in purchasing um, any of my items. You can go to my shop page on my website at Dr. Randy BMD. I love it. And we'll make sure if if you all are driving, all of this is in the description. So you'll be able to see it and make it happen and get some more Dr. Randy in your life. And as I said before, I'll probably have to have her back. (laughs) So my final thought and takeaway is um, one of the biggest gifts is one of my mindset coaches. Well, I have one mindset coach. I feel like I keep saying coaches because I have so many coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, Had recommended a book um, a few years ago that I I love and I'm actually rereading now called Happy Money um, by Ken Honda. And one of the things I love about this book is it talks about the energy of money and your actual relationship with money, including your emotional relationship with money. And my takeaway is money can be the root of so many things. And I'm another one. My mama taught me, you know, money ain't the cure to everything, but it can make things a lot easier. Um, but learning, learning what your relationship is with money can help you move past challenges or barriers with money because there's so much that dealing with financial health is related to your mindset around money and finances. And depending on how you feel about it, that may also be a barrier for getting help or to facing any financial challenges. So I want to encourage you to start exploring what is your relationship with money and where did that relationship come from? Mm. Because your relationship with money can be similar to, we know how we relate to people, how we are in relationships, how we show up. And a lot of that is dictated by how we were raised. So I want to encourage you to start thinking and exploring what your relationship is with money and finances, and then be open to getting the help you need to move forward, yes. be it with financial professionals, such as your financial planner, your accountant. There are financial with, with Well, and I was getting to that. 
And then the next thing is to have people like financial therapists mm-hmm. or coaches that can help you understand your, your mindset and how to mm. really approach and put the whole picture together. And sometimes you actually need a therapist, therapist, because there are other things that have happened mm. to you or that have to deal with anxiety, depression, yes. trauma that is getting in the way of you being able to approach your financial health. Yep. And I just want to encourage you to two things, remember? Because this is a long outro, apparently. <laughs> Explore your relationship with money and get the necessary help you need, be it financial planners, coaches, financial coaches, financial therapists, accountants, or a regular therapist to fix your relationship with money. Because it's hard to live in abundance if you have a huge relationship issue with money. Yes. Yes. You know, you don't want to be sabotaging yourself. Just like I hate it when people don't feel comfortable or don't have access to good mental health care providers and then are struggling unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. We do the same thing with money by not getting the help we need. We end up struggling in a situation of lack and scarcity unnecessarily for way too long. So I hope you were okay with the fact that my my final thoughts and takeaways are kind of long today. They're long. They were perfect though. It was perfect. It was perfect. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. So first I have to say thank you to Dr. Randy for taking time out of your super busy life to hang out with me and my peeps. And thank you all out there that are listening, number one, for trusting myself and my guest enough to have us up in your ears, because I realize this is a little bit of an intimate relationship. And you had literally a zillion podcasts to choose from, and you chose mine. So I have to give you a little love on that and say thank you. And I also have to give you a round of applause for the fact that you showed up for yourself, because you're not just listening to me for entertainment. You showed up for you. So give yourself a little pat on the back for showing up for you to put you back in your life. So I got a couple things for you. Number one, you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to the podcast. You won't miss the bonuses. The next is please share. Sharing is caring. Don't let this be the best kept secret. Everyone needs to hear this information. The last thing is if you can rate and review, I would love that too. It helps me bring you great content. I want you to do one thing for me. Take your left hand, put it on your right arm. Take your right hand, put it on your left arm and give yourself a big squeeze. We might still be physical distancing, but that doesn't mean you can't get a little love and a big old hug. So I just want to send some positive energy out there. Send some love. I hope you can feel it. Thanks for helping me fill my quality time love bucket. And until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica.